Chris, do I have you? Can you hear me? What's going on, man? Not much. How are you, Jake? I'm doing well, especially because this is a this is a record. You are the the fastest guest to ever join the show on 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 unmute. So <laughs> I, uh, I I bow to you with gratitude for your punctuality and professionalism. I um well I'm I'm kind of surprised myself that I figured out how to do it. I'm not used to this app, and uh, I think it was several months ago at this point. It was when my book came out, but I I did a a spaces on Twitter and I didn't even know how to use that. I was like, damn, am I getting old that I don't know how to use these apps anymore? Um, so the fact that I was able to get onto this one, I, I think I've done it one other time with you and uh, maybe one other time with, um, with Seth part now, but I always forget how these things work with these call in things. Yeah, we, uh, we're definitely getting old. Um, and I do, <laughs> I, I, I have, I have, already come to terms and accept the fact that as we continue to get older my lady friend i'm going to have to be the one teaching her when we're old and gray how the next things work because she's already struggling now and we're only 28 so um whatever you do don't call her old man like not that you did you said lady friend but if she struggles with technology just word of advice (laughs) we're not old we're uh we're just technologically uh, behind the curve. I don't know. Amen. Um, there you go. Well, thank you for joining me, man. For anyone who doesn't know who this man is, uh, you're not you're not paying attention. Chris Hearn, uh, wonderful Sports Illustrated senior writer at ESPN at five thirty eight. Before that, the Wall Street Journal. Before that, and his book is blown up way bigger than mine did. Uh, I'm not salty about it at all. I'm pumped for this guy. He deserves every bit of his success and the fact that spike lee is your boy now is pretty sweet so um chris herring it's an honor to have you grace these airways man thank you so much thank you for having me man don't don't sell your book short man uh i still remember talking to you when you were still working on yours and uh still think like i i think i was fortunate with mine that it was pretty singularly focused you know obviously there are other teams that were competing with the Knicks during those years, obviously the Bulls and everything, but you, with yours, what was so interesting about is just the perspective of so many different teams, um, writing about one issue, but doing it through several different teams. It's a lot harder, in my opinion, than than trying to do what I was doing. So um, I really enjoyed it and kind of can't wait to see what's next for you. And, um, you know, like I said, don't sell yourself short at all with yours. But thank (laughs) you for what you said about mine. Thank you, man. Um, I mean, you're obviously, you spent a lot of time, I mean, for those who don't know, the, the, the time you spent on the Knicks beat with the journal was definitely, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was, was a, a breeding ground for the idea or for the publisher's idea that presented it to you um, to get to work on this. And you've been, you're, you're, you're deep in the weeds of Nick, Nick's knowledge for the last three decades of the franchise's history. Um, so I think like if there's anyone who would understand what the prospect of landing someone like Donovan Mitchell um, would mean for this team after years of kind of wandering around in the desert trying to find uh, at least someone who's billed as a superstar, um, you, you, you got your finger on that pulse as much as anybody. Um, you know, I, well, I appreciate you giving me that credit. I, it's interesting because I keep seeing fans – 
it's interesting to see how divided people are on this. I, I think every Knicks fan wants him uh, to some degree. I, I do. It's interesting to see uh, the fans, at least I, I follow a lot of them. I've done that for years, even dating back to when I was on the beat. I always wanted a sense of what they thought. So I thought it was important to follow a, a big number of them. And so I still do. It, it's interesting to see the division over how worth it is it to get him and how much should you be willing to move to get him. Um, and obviously it's a question that, you know, their fans have. Um, I think every team and every fan base kind of falls in love with its own players, its own young players, I should clarify. Um, the Knicks oh, yeah. fans are so different. Uh, for for but offices it, too, by the way. What did you say? I said front offices too, by the way. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I think what's different and I think the, the thing that's kind of shifted the paradigm lately is just when you see how much Gobert was moved for, um, it's a question of, like, how many picks are you including? And and that's the part that, for me, as we talk about, you know, getting tripped up with technology and these apps and stuff, I'm very much like a back in my day, you know, like four or five picks weren't being moved for any one player. And then players on top of that, too, like, you know, um, young guys on top of that. So that's the part that I think is tripping a lot of people up. And I, I frankly, I don't blame the fans that kind of are have reservations about moving that much for Donovan Mitchell. Um, people would compare it in some ways to the Carmelo move, uh, which I'm not completely sure I agree with that. But even with that one, uh, you know, the idea of moving this many picks to do it, uh, and I also feel like Carmelo had kind of been the driving force. Like, he had flaws in his game, too, just like Donovan Mitchell does. Um, but I don't feel like you had – there weren't quite as many questions that I can remember, at least, as far as whether Carmelo was, like, the driving force of why the Nuggets were as good as they were. If you remember, you know, they'd gone several years without making the playoffs um, before Carmelo was drafted. From his first year on, I think they made it, like, seven years in a row or whatever it was. Um I think there are questions about whether Donovan Mitchell was the driving force behind why the Jazz were as good as they were for a lot of those years. Obviously, Rudy Gobert is a player that analytically is kind of going to jump out at you as, as one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason. Um, and Donovan Mitchell kind of was more of like a designated hitter sort of player as far as the sort of offense that he provides within the defense that that team played. Uh, within the defense that Gobert played. So it'll be interesting to watch what happens. I already can see the divisions within the fan base, which is interesting. Um, but who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it would be a huge pickup for them. But I, I think it's completely fair to wonder what you're going to have to give up to get them. And I think the other part that's bothering some of the fans is like, how how are we going to be forced, not the fans, but how is the organization going to be forced to give up this much to get them when there aren't that many other suitors out there? that are going to throw a package out as, as, as vast as what the Knicks would. Yeah. It's interesting in that two things. One, the Carmelo Anthony context has certainly, I mean, I made, I haven't been making a ton of calls proactively in the last couple of weeks. I've been, you know, we're in off season mode. Um, but today definitely, uh, you know, we're doing this show. Wanted to, wanted to do my homework before we went live to the people. And uh, Carmelo's name and that trade was brought up in several calls that I had today about that being important of a backdrop to consider. Um, But also it's interesting that just like the other big story of the summer with Kevin Durant, there was definitely kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say civil war, but like a, a polarized 
split of the Celtics fan base, it seemed, of is Kevin Durant for Jalen Brown worth it to them? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think it's generally a reflection of how much smarter uh, we all are in terms of figuring out evaluation of these trades. Um, but that's also, I think, playing a massive factor into why we're at where we're at in the fact that, um, and as I say this, we talk about news, the Adam Shepard's reporting, the Eagles, my Eagles, are trading Jalen Rager to the Minnesota Vikings, which, thank God, is good riddance for everybody. He deserves a fresh start. And I think with this situation, um, talking about major trades, you know, Donna Mitchell and Jalen Rager on the same type of tier. Um, I think the win, the art of winning, the idea of winning the trade and where we're at now in the society, not just in the, the art of public perception, um, but also literally inside the league where there's a re- reputation and, um, I mean, there's a reputation NBA and there's the actual real world day to day. And what the Rudy Gobert's valuation uh, ended up impacting the rest of the trade market, but also just you know, the Jazz wanting to get X amount and the Knicks not wanting to give up X amount and feeling like they had to overpay when they're not compete. Like th- that context and those factors putting everything at a stalemate right now. And we'll get into um, we'll get into the details after this. I think that's a big factor here that might not necessarily have occurred or existed five, ten years ago. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I, I know. I mean, you know, I imagine a lot of the people on your call right now are are Knicks fans, kind of curious to hear about what you've heard or just kind of what we think. Um, The Knicks have been cognizant of some of that before. I know when I was on the beat before, there was one trade that the Knicks probably should have made. Obviously, in hindsight, they should have made that would have involved Iman Shumpert for, you know, being the centerpiece of what they were sending to get back Kyle Lowry. And they didn't make the deal in part because Masai Ujiri, or at least the rumor was, or the, the belief was that the Knicks were ready to make the deal, but that Jim Dolan didn't want to because Masai, Masai Ujiri had been the guy that, you know, that foisted Carmelo on them. And obviously there was so yeah. much talk for so long about the fact that Denver, you know, got the better into that deal. It probably ended up being about even by the time it was over, you know, as far as Carmelo was plenty productive, but you know, the Nuggets guys uh, over time uh, were certainly productive, and I think they looked better at the front end of that um, that deal. But, it, you know, neither team just made out like bandits necessarily, um, the way it was starting to look at one point for Denver. Uh, but the idea was that there had been so much talk of whether or not uh, Masai had fleeced the Knicks in that deal by getting so many uh, young players back. And then, you know, the, the idea that Jim Dolan reportedly had just dug in his heels and said, I'm not going to be embarrassed like that again. Uh, and so, you know, whether or not that was actually exactly what it was or not, um, that was certainly the talk. And the idea behind that being that obviously Kyle Lowry has been an all-star several times now. Um, and, you know, that was at a point in his career where he was not the guy that he's been for the last several years. Um, but that you can't really allow the optics of it to dictate it. If you really, really fundamentally believe um, that you are getting the better end of it. If you feel like this is a player you have to have, um, obviously you don't want to be too impulsive about anything. Donovan Mitchell's a very, very good player, 
do you think he's great? Do you think he can be greater than what he's been? Um, and, and, you know, honestly, I think the most interesting part of it, and, you know, I'd be interested in your take on this just based on the conversation you've had, is also, you know, to what extent does he fit with this group? Um, because, you know, from the reports that have been out there, I think there have been kind of varying degrees of it and people kind of saying different things. The reporting has kind of changed just over the last few weeks. But, you know, at least in Woj's case lately, has been saying pretty directly that R.J. Barrett was included in a lot yeah. of these proposals that the Knicks were laying out. So to me, that kind of also screams out um, a couple things. One, the Knicks would really prefer not to give up every pick they've ever had um, to make this deal. But two, also that, you know, at a certain point, and this is what I'm curious about, the Knicks are going to have a lot of scores out there if, if they have, you know, depending on what they give up, if they've got Randall and Barrett and Brunson and Donovan Mitchell all on the same team. So if you were going to swap Barrett as part of this, one, to reduce the number of picks you give up, but also just to kind of reduce whatever sort of um, – you've only got one basketball for four guys that all kind of can score it, you know, at different points. So – uh, that part is really interesting to me, but I guess, like I was saying, I'd be curious about what you've heard about that aspect of it in terms of how many iterations of this were the Knicks trying to include RJ in, um, and and just kind of what the likelihood is that you think that he'll be, um, in, that he still could be part of whatever they end up doing. I know it's more difficult now than it would have been yeah. a couple of days ago, but what what have you heard on that front? No, that is a that's a great question. Thank you for teeing me up. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I got a text on Monday night at seven o'clock, um, from someone saying, uh, deals getting close. And I was like, oh, okay. I was minding my own business and I just started reaching out to a couple of people and I had then gotten that there was knowledge on all sides, all parties involved were aware that. There were, I didn't know what the deadline was. It ended up being Monday night, right? But that this week and before Labor Day was was being considered like, let's get this done or we're kind of walking away from both sides, honestly. Um, and the RJ stuff was hanging over it all because, yeah, there, there, there have been different iterations, I can say, um, from conversations I've had that have included RJ, that didn't include RJ. Um, the latest ones absolutely did. And to your point, Chris, and as I've said all along on the show, um, that finding a final deal here is going to be and what is going to be and was going to be um, about like a sliding scale of pick valuations. Um, And, you know, if you put in, you know, Derek Rose's contract that only has one year versus Evan Fournier's, that's got two year guaranteed left, you know, versus different prospects and what their peaks are um, and how Utah values them. Not necessarily even just as a player because, A, no one I've spoken to around the NBA and and particularly around this situation believes that the Utah Jazz want to keep R.J. Barrett and want to pay R.J. Barrett and want to invest in a future that includes R.J. Barrett. There was one GM I spoke to in the beginning of all these talks that I'm sure I've said this um, on here previously that said, like, if he was the Jazz, there's no deal he would do that would not include R.J. Barrett even if he didn't want them, want him because uh, of the potential retrade value. So, um, you know, you have to think just logically, whatever picks that 
the Jazz think they could get for RJ, in theory, if that deal were to go down, um, which, um, you know, for my conversations even today, like I can say it really does not sound like Utah had any plans of, of not taking him back to then move him along. And, and a couple of people I talked to today kind of said that they assessed maybe his value would be two first round picks, not unprotected in this new world that we're in where unprotected picks are suddenly available, but things around, you know, sliding protections and what have you, that, that would be where he, I mean, he's a $30 million player. Like that's kind of, that kind of is kind of the going rate for someone of that magnitude. Um, and I know there was reporting out there previously that the offer um, it was Evan Fournier and Obi Toppin and the combination of five picks. And I, I do think, that to get things done, um, the Knicks moved RJ onto the table to be able to um, put less picks onto the table. To your to your exact point, Chris, because everyone with New York I've spoken to has said similar things in that, yes, getting Donovan would be a huge win, but they would still need a lot of work to do to get that team to be a title contender. And they still want more flexibility. They still want to have an unprotected pick in their pocket. They still want other flexibility um, with future assets to continue to add there. Um, so it it does seem pretty clear to me from my conversations that, that putting RJ on the board um, would have allowed the Knicks to sacrifice less capital than if it was just, you know, if Obi Toppin um, in theory was, was the, the headlining young player. So I'll, I'll stop my rant there. Um, to kind of to kind of hear your take on all that, yeah, and and even <laughs> even laying that out, which I think people, a lot of people, I think were surprised to hear that again because some of the reporting suggested early on, at least a couple of weeks ago, that that was you know that the Jazz had limited interest in RJ because his extension was coming up. Um, that was music to a lot of Knicks fans' ears because they see this as the first feasible guy that you know that the team can build around in a while you know Porzingis obviously maybe looked that part for a while but then all the stuff about him his brother wanting out the frustrations with Phil there's always something that generally comes up at the last moment uh whenever there's a guy that a surefire guy that just looks like he's gonna be the guy that the team can build around or keep because let's not even talk about building around just keep you know the the stat is obviously flown around a lot it was one that I, I found um, in researching several years back when I was on the beat that they have not had a guy that they've just uh, extended for multiple years um, off that first, you know, first round pick they've extended going back to Charlie Ward. So this is rare on all sorts of levels. I think on some level, even as fans get to celebrate that curse being broken, it probably is really frustrating to a lot of them to hear that RJ was even included and a possible package for Mitchell, let alone that he was included with the idea of like him plus picks to get Donovan Mitchell. Because one, he's so young. Two, he has had uh, moments where he looks like he is ready to break out. He has not been overwhelmingly consistent, but he's put it together for longer stretches lately. Uh, or at least last year, he had one stretch that was a lot longer than other ones that he'd had in the past. Um, and that he's a guy that has more skill defensively and more innate, inherent ability defensively than someone like Mitchell does, despite being younger. 
So he's a guy that doesn't really thrive on his athleticism. And so it's like if he gets stronger, if he works it a little bit, it works at things a little bit more, if he gets better with the shot, how good could he be? Could he become dominant at some point? If he's already accomplishing what he is as a 20 point per game guy without off the chart athleticism and, and, and what have you. Um, so I know for a, a fact, I mean, even just as you were speaking, I, you know, I looked in my DMs and I already have people in my DMs saying that's the part that's frustrating me as a Knicks fan is that, look, we all want Mitchell, but we don't want him so badly to where it's RJ plus a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, so everybody would be way more comfortable with it being top end, um, with it being, you know, uh, other people. Quentin Grimes is the name that I think is really interesting just because I like it's hard not to like a player like that. I think most teams, most contenders have a guy that plays really good defense that can shoot, that's not requiring the ball, not dominating the ball. I, if I was the Knicks and if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm kind of, of course, you want to keep him because again, he's the sort of player that every good team has, um, particularly if it's a young player like that, that you could keep on the team for a long time. I, I think that it might be a little bit of a pipe dream. Like you can't keep everything you want to hold on to. You can't keep all your picks. You can't keep all your best young talent if you want a player of Mitchell's caliber. And that's saying that's even given the, the idea that Mitchell is somewhat flawed. Like he's not, I don't think he's a top 10 player in this league. I'm not sure I would even have him in my top 15. Probably not. Um, but he's still young enough and he's been, you know, he's got enough of a reputation in this league to where it's feasible. You're going to have to give up a piece or two that you really would prefer not to, whether it's quickly, whether it's top end, whether it's Grimes. Um, and RJ, like I said, I, I just think it was a surprise to a lot of Knicks fans that he was included in some of the latest iterations of this deal. And even more recently, even since the extension uh, has come up for RJ, the idea that, you know, just listening to the way Woe just framed it, that like it's still possible that he could be moved now. It certainly seems way more, way less likely now, but even still that, you know, that if these teams are trying to get this done and the Knicks refuse to give up more picks than what they have so far, that there's still a, a realm of possibility in which that could happen. Although like you were suggesting earlier, it would seem a lot less likely now that it's not cost controlled the way it could have been um, for Utah. If, if they had, you know, traded for RJ and then did their negotiations with him themselves. Yeah, the financials get very, very wonky. Um, so now that RJ is signed to this new deal, um, he falls under the poison pill pr- provision for, for those listening who, who aren't fully aware of that concept. Um, the poison pill is ends up amount it, – it creates for trade value the amount of the fourth year of that deal, so this season, plus – um, the extension years, and then you average it out. So that's an average of $26.2 million from calculations that were definitely provided to me from cat people to fully confirm it. So I'm not – guys, I'm not that smart. Got, got to check it out with those people. The tricky part is that for outgoing salary in the trade, he counts as $10.9 million for the Knicks. But then he counts as $26.2 million as incoming salary for Utah. That's a large gap that, you know, the Knicks don't have cap room. The Jazz don't really have a lot of flexibility to work with there either. So it gets difficult there. I think it is virtually impossible at this point, and from conversations I've had today, that a Donovan deal gets done with R.J. Barrett included, especially being that, and I can report this very confidently, um, 
I was told Rudy Gay was involved in the latest iteration of talks um, that ultimately fell short. Um, he's got two years left at six million with a player option in year three, which um, I mean, Rudy Gay being available has been very repeated to me the last couple of days. Um, and I, I do believe from from various uh, people familiar with the matter that he was in the final stages um, of the Knicks talks that fell short. So that even adds another six million into the Jazz's package where I don't I don't have this part solid. I, I like I, I, that just makes you know add it because th- there was always going to be trouble adding salary to meet Donovan's number. So then there would have been more players involved. You would think maybe Cam Reddish because his number is basically right at what Rudy Gay's is. Um, he's an expiring deal in theory. Like that would be the, the obvious mental math of, of potentially matching Rudy Gay's number. Um, so. All that being said, though, like everyone still is kind of expecting Donna Mitchell to end up in New York. So in theory, like this, this clearly was presented and has been billed as uh, a strong leverage play from the Knicks side of things. Right. Which um, on one hand, like taking RJ Barrett off the board if from a from a math perspective, if there are X amount of potential combinations of different players and different picks that could have amounted to meet Utah's asking price for Donovan Mitchell, taking RJ Barrett off the board does eliminate like let's say there were ten thousand potential combinations of players and picks that made it happen and, and, and were legal under the CBA. Now those options are probably down to like four thousand, right? So that definitely helps in terms of eliminating clutter. Um, But yeah, it is going to make it richer now in all likelihood in terms of draft pick compensation from the Knicks side of things. Um, And I mean, it it really does seem like Barrett is going to remain a member of the New York Knicks. He's absolutely a favorite of Tom Thibodeau. And that's very clear in his minutes. Um, And you can just, from his his makeup and, and his, his resume and his dose, like he's a, he's a Thibodeau player, right? Playing 40 minutes willingly, guarding multiple positions, never really having a play run for him, putting his head down and doing the work. Like, and in theory, if you're bringing on Donovan Mitchell to pair with Jalen Brunson in the backcourt, like RJ Barrett and what he has shown on the defensive side of the ball under Tom Thibodeau, would pretty pretty valuable complimentary piece to that, right? Oh, there's no question. I mean, like he's <laughs> he's really the only guy. I mean, obviously Mitchell Robinson is is you know a capable rim protector, a guy that can block. You know, he can do some of those Robert Williams sort of plays defensively, where he can block a shot from the paint damn near. Um, but aside from him, Barrett's really the only guy and really the only wing you have that I won't say is going to make effort defensively. I think Brunson tries. He's just undersized. There are times where it doesn't look like Mitchell's trying very much defensively. So to have a wing that's going to be in there that will try to give you some relief, who's also R.J. Barrett's size, um, is meaningful. Um, I do get back to the point, though, of what I was saying before about just the, the kind of the roster makeup at a certain point and the idea that, 
you know, look, all these guys, uh, Randall, Barrett, Brunson, and certainly Mitchell are all guys that um, more or less have usage rates that are pretty high. I mean, obviously, Mitchell Robinson is someone that is basically just getting lobs and, and offensive rebounds and stuff like that. Brunson's usage rate is not super high, but if you look at his numbers when he's not playing with Luca, Luca I think had the highest one in the league. So when you look at when Luca's not on the court, Brunson obviously has a very high usage rate. Um, so it, it is interesting to think about the idea of like if you would have moved RJ versus if you don't, and the sliding scale of the picks and everything else, the decision you're actively making here now is like okay. If we're keeping R.J. Barrett and we're trading for Donovan Mitchell, all of a sudden, while there's not immediate pressure or pressure on Donovan to be, or I'm sorry, on um, on R.J. to become a star, you're kind of making the choice now of like, are we saving these picks so that we can go get a star, or are we keeping R.J.? So you kind of do need him to kind of level up here a little bit, just because it, it, that's kind of the active choice you're making in a way is to either hold on to those picks um, and trade RJ or to keep RJ and give up the picks if you're getting Donovan Mitchell. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, his contract is pressure enough to to step into a role like that. But also because you've got all these guys that can score, literally four guys in your lineup that can really score, um, I would also think that it might make it a little bit tougher to really put up star level numbers. I would imagine that everybody's numbers are going to fall a little bit from playing in a lineup like this. Maybe not Mitchell's because he's already played with a group of guys that could score in an offense that was one of the most efficient in NBA history. Um, but it will be interesting from, from Barrett's standpoint. The obvious answer to all this is just, okay, you go out and win, and then you get all the all-star appearances you could ever want. Um, if you're anywhere near 20, 22 points a game or something like that, if you're RJ. But it is an interesting dynamic because I can't think of too many – situations where you're you you're even talking about trading your best young player or the one that you feel best and most confident about um and then still have to give up more to get uh, and, and not let alone someone who's as young as rj is but still potentially have to give up more to get the piece you want and oh by the way now that we couldn't make that happen we still want the guy that we want but we're just going to keep the other guy that we talked about trading on the roster and big money. I can't think of too many situations where that was the case. And then the trade still goes through, but with a different iteration of players, it's a really weird situation when you actually think about it and ask yourself, like how often have we seen this? Cause I can't remember too many instances. Yeah. It's also a pretty unique situation where, and, and we're going to get close to call. I know we've got a couple people in the cube and waiting patiently. Thank you guys. If you want to ask a question, um, We'd love to hear from you. You do have to make an account to do so. Um, and if you do make an account, you can subscribe to the show. Always get updates when we're going live, all that jazz. So it's all good. All good things with making the account happen on here and, and listening to you guys and talking with you guys. Um, like the situation is clearly a staring contest being that as much as teams like Washington and Charlotte and Toronto and Miami um have all shown interest and Cleveland was definitely, you know, popped up and, and, and was, I mean, I don't really think the Cleveland talks got very close at all. I don't think they were very serious at all. Um, but 
you know, them being a quote unquote late addition clearly, you know, rankled the market and, and, and at least was something that, you know, applied pressure on, on the Knicks talks. But the Jazz clearly want to move into a rebuild. Donovan Mitchell clearly would relish the opportunity playing with New York. The Knicks would clearly love to land Donovan Mitchell. And they have by far the the richest potential package that they could offer of the teams that are that are on the board. So it really is just a matter of all sides and not all sides, but the Jazz leadership and the Knicks leadership both feeling like they've got a commensurate deal. Utah clearly wants to get a haul that would far su- supersede any other potential offer on the table. So, I mean, I do see the next standpoint here of, you know, this is what we're like, take it or leave it. And I mean, the Knicks seem to think that the ball is in Utah's court. And I've heard from various people on the league that Utah has been the team that has backed away time and again, when talks have intensified and things have gotten to the one yard line. Um, so I mean, if the if the Jazz really do want to move Donovan Mitchell before training camp, like it's the opportunity is there with New York, and it just really seems like Danny Ainge and his group. And um, I mean, from my from my conversations, it sounds like Justin Zanuck is, is the the actual person on the phone with New York side on the negotiations. Um, but I mean, this is Danny Ainge's show. Everyone has been very keen on 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 reminding folks of that. Um, so, I mean, they're they're drawing a line in the sand of, of if the deal is this, then we need this many picks and this number of unprotected picks. Um, so it just I haven't really I can't I can't to your point, Chris. That started this ramble. I really can't recall a trade situation where. I mean, like Brooklyn and Philly with James Harden for Ben Simmons, for example, was like the obvious only real thing that would have made sense for both sides. But like that still came together pretty quickly, all things considered. Like these two sides have been haggling this out for basically, you know, two months at this point. I mean, a month and a half, whatever it is, it's going to continue. I mean, the last person I spoke to um, before we got on the call here said to me that like, sure. And it's possible, like it could happen before the weekend. Honestly, I mean, it seems like we're kind of at an impasse here, and after the holiday, maybe people will regroup. Um, I have no sense on time. I have no like concrete sense on timing of when talks will be uh, will be revisited. Being that, I mean, th- these are just people who are trying to get on with their summers, right? Like they could, I mean, anything could change here, but it really just seems like we're at an impasse because both teams aren't budging and someone's going to have to like, like one side is going to have to swallow their pride. The jazz are going to have to take, you know, five first round picks, let's say for example, and, and be happy with it. And, and just, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of picks. That's a lot of picks for a player. Um, And the Knicks are going to have to decide or or the Knicks are going to have to decide at some point, like, all right, it's a lot of picks. We still have, but like we're getting our guy as a big moment for our franchise and what have you. So, um, I am kind of curious to see when the staring contest uh, comes to a close because, like I said at the top of this, this this ramble, like it really does seem like this is Utah's next move now. 
Sorry, I keep muting myself by accident. I I'm there's a part of me that is kind of like just you know I'm I'm not as industrious as you are with regards to you know knocking on every door and making every phone call and texting everybody. There's a part of me that's like keep me posted when this actually happens because <laughs> it's it's I'm used to teams like we could talk about ultimatums and you know the balls in your court like clearly these two realize that they're the only two they're going to deal with each other. Utah, certainly this is the only real suitor they've got left. So unless they're just willing to pack up their equipment and just kind of go home for the day, this is all they've got. Um, so normally when you reach that point, you, when you talk about deadlines, normally it's a deadline to get a deal done at all, or else we're going to just stop discussing this period. And it seemed like the deadline the Knicks were setting was, if you don't do this deal by this time, we're going to give RJ the extension, which yeah. again, that's where I'm saying I've never heard of anything like that within the realm of like our best young player, the best player on the table that you're giving us, you would be giving us. It's odd. Uh, I, sometimes you, you table this sort of stuff because you're trying not to be insensitive to the guys that you might need to move. In this case, they're relatively young guys like Obi Toppin. You know, Quentin Grimes has obviously been rumored as well. Quickly, I haven't heard mentioned as much, but I guess he would be a possibility too. But, you know, they're young guys. I know with regards to dating and relationships, you normally say that, you know, young hearts kind of heal faster. You bounce back quickly. It's, it's, a, it's a business. It's a profession. So maybe there's not concern for that here, but I just don't. I don't really know who it benefits to kind of have this drag on into training camp the same way that I think the Nets kind of reached that conclusion too with Durant or Durant reached the conclusion and then, you know, went to the Nets, however it played out, but whatever. I'm, I'm just kind of like, look, <laughs> it's summertime. Uh, everybody can, can go enjoy themselves outside a little bit and relax a little bit. Cause it, it just doesn't seem like after what just happened that a deal is going to happen soon. You, you were asking your sources about this weekend and whatnot. It, it doesn't seem like the Jazz would be racing to get something done now that the, the Knicks decided to give RJ the extension. It kind of seems like this is going to be something that carries on closer to training camp, if I had to guess. But I don't, I don't recall too many things having played out like this. And it's kind of weird, but also it's kind of like if you guys are the only two in the room and you know a deal's either going to get done or not, just figure it out. It's kind of the way I feel. But it's not my money. It's not my situation. It's not my team. I'm not a fan. I don't have investment one way or the other. So it's just kind of maybe that's why I'm kind of like indifferent to it at this point of like it's either going to happen or it's not. Um, not to be that person, but I just logged on to TweetDeck. I've seen several people say that I've said both sides want to get this done before Labor Day. That is not – I mean, that's not what I said. Like <laughs> – I had, I did not say that. We we talked about the Monday night deadline and wanted to get this done or not before this week, and it didn't happen. We just said we're not expecting it to happen for Labor Day. I don't know why that got reported by set or aggregated by seven different people, but here we are. All right, we're going to Darcy. Darcy, you've been waiting patiently. Thank you so much for your call and for your patience. What's going on? Absolutely. Uh, thank you. Uh, so I wanted to know, um, do you guys really feel like the Knicks are asking for Donovan Mitchell, to me, I would certainly think he would command that at a minimum, just being that, you know, he's a three-time All-Star, only 20, only 25. 
been in his prime yet. So I would assume there's room for him to continue to get better. And then if you don't have to give up RJ Barrett or, you know, Jalen Brunson or anybody that's going to be a focal point of your offense, then you now still have assets left to trade for someone else, right? If you let this team play one or two years, then your future picks uh, will now some more picks will become available that you can trade. So do you really think the Knicks are, you know, hesitant to give up four picks or are they just trying to make the process difficult to kind of get uh, Danny, to, to, to push Danny away from asking for more, um, you know, as if they're, you know, they're giving it up. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, like Chris has said too, from his just analysis of it, like, Yes, the the Knicks and this, there's 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 multiple factors of the Knicks con- of of the pick conversation. There's the number of total picks, and there's definitely second rounders being talked about too, because the Knicks have like a surplus of second rounders. I can report that. Um, but there's also a difference between the unprotected and the protected, and and that's part of the complication here too. Is that when I mean, you talk to several people in different front offices, like. The Knicks have a lot of protected picks that no one really knows how well to value them. From from my understanding, they've got four unprotected they could trade, um, and I don't think, and I definitely don't want to give up all four of them. I can promise you that. And part of that is because as their overall reticence of giving up all they can is yes, they are they are committed to wanting to keep flexibility to make further moves down the line. That is definitely a, a, a massive. Uh, factor in their negotiating standpoint here. And Chris, right, you, you agree that's exactly what they kind of should be doing. Which part were you asking me whether they should be doing? I'm sorry, I missed. I lost you for just a second. Hold, holding out on their whole pick package or, and, and keeping their war chest stock because they want to have future flexibility. Yeah, no, that part makes complete sense. I think it, unless you think this is a team that can win a championship right now, um, or, or maybe not right now, but within like the next couple of years, if you're not holding on to a little bit more in your war chest, you have to maintain something. And again, I think that's part of why they went ahead and offered RJ as part of that, is to avoid having to give up the whole war chest. Um, but I don't know that anybody, no matter how glass half full you are, glass completely full, nobody thinks this is a championship team. Uh, with Mitchell, with Barrett, with everybody, you know, no one thinks it's that. So if you don't think that, you would need to hold on to more assets, hopefully, to go land the next person, if you could. So, um, of course, that's part of the calculation here. And, and the other part of it, again, is that if you're looking around and you see yourself as the only interested party here that can make something happen, um, why would you be willing to give up way more than you already have? So that that's the part of the steering contest that, like I said, I'm kind of like, just let me know when something happens, because it just kind of feels like a lot to me that uh, that neither team is, is going to blink here if both of you realize that we're the only two people left at the dance, basically. Yeah, and they've been talking, the Knicks, Knicks people have been talking about all these additions from Jalen Brunson to Donovan Mitchell as building blocks all along about this is, you know, we're building something that people are going to want to come join. They, they definitely don't look at this as a, as a finished product, even with Donovan Mitchell coming into the fold in, in theory. Um, all right, we go to Jake B. What's going on? Um, I, I mean, first, I think 
you know, there's probably some truth to like the Kevin Durant situation holding a lot of this up as well, just because the whole league was. But I think both these teams are insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm a Knicks fan, and I think I think trading RJ and like I, I think is a bit much. And I also think of Jazz like being able to get RJ plus I think it was a four by two unprotected and some of the protected like. I don't really see where that. Sorry, Jake. We lost you. We're running out of time here, too. I want to try to get as many people as we can. Um, Josh, what's going on? Jake, if you want to come back in the queue, we'll try to get to you. Josh, how can we help? Um, uh, I just had a quick question. I'm not sure if. Josh, are you there? Oh, crap. I think we have you. Yeah, can you hear me? Can you guys hear me? Yeah. 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 Uh, thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, uh, I had a question about Cam Reddish. If you guys have heard anything, and also um, I, uh, a, a player called Vanderbilt from Utah. If there's, if you've heard any rumors or any any chatter, that's about it right there for me. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Josh. I have not heard anything about Jared Vanderbilt included in New York. I know he's a player. A lot of teams would have. A lot of interest in um, with Cam. The only thing I, I can say is I, I can make that educated guess that I alluded to earlier that if Rudy Gay was being included in that next trade, um, his his salary is around six million. You know, Cam's basically matches that. So I, I, I was kind of just making educated guesses to try to round out the full details of, of where that package was heading. Um, I mean, Chris, do do you think? Like, how would you assess Cam Radish's value in in the league right now? I don't think it's amazingly high. I mean, I think a lot of teams would love to take a flyer on him. I think that um, to some extent, that's what the Knicks were doing um, when they decided to get him last year. Um, It didn't cost them ultimately all that much. I mean, Kevin Knox was was one of the players they sent out to get him, um, which obviously, you know, was not a huge asset for them to have to give up if you could even call him that at that point. Um, so, you know, he, he's still young enough and, and has shown enough uh, enough to where I think teams would, would love to see what he has. It would make a lot of sense for a team like Utah that's clearly going to be rebuilding, uh, particularly if they are parting ways with Mitchell. But um, but not I don't think he's got a ton of value here, but just a you know nice throw in for something like this and something to make yeah. the salaries mesh. All right, Tim, what's going on? Hey, Jake, thanks so much. I wanted to talk about uh, Barrett still being in possible trade proposal. I know that it's more complicated and poison pill and all of that, but um, I've I've looked at it and I've looked at the salary sheets and the money, and it's really not that uh, difficult to make the poison pill math work if you include a third team with a large meaning... The Lakers, obviously, Ainge wants two picks from the Lakers. I personally doubt that the Lakers would give up two picks for anything that Utah currently has in their – I might be wrong on that. But I, I would suspect if if the Knicks are still willing to give up Barrett and two unprotected picks and the Lakers have two more, that gets the Jazz to four uh, – Barrett could go to the Lakers uh, and headline the deal and probably take back two, I guess, bad salaries or one bad salary from 
the Jazz, if that's like Fournier or, or Clarkson. And uh, that math works with the poison pill because of how much outgoing money is going from the Lakers with just Westbrook. Uh, so that gets every party to what they're looking for, what they want. The Knicks get an offer they've already proposed, and the Lakers get give up their picks, but they get back a 22-year-old. Um, yeah, signed to a long-term deal, but I, I don't think that they'd be that afraid of that contract. Yeah, no, that's a great, great comment. Um, something I definitely talked about earlier today and should have said at the top. So, yeah, there have I, – I, I can say that, from my knowledge, there have been three-team conversations, or at least – um, concepts been discussed. I the only team I've heard as a potential third team um, has been the Lakers, um, and you know they they were definitely seemed like a third team would make moving RJ Barrett in the deal far more feasible. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know, I don't know. To your point, I don't know if there's a, a, a package back of Utah players that the Lake. I mean. The Lakers and the Jazz and and the Jazz already did a deal with Patrick Beverly, right? Like, if there was a deal straight up between those two sides that gave two unprotected picks to, to the Jazz and brought back stuff to LA that they thought would make them a title contender, it would have it would have been done already. So, I don't know. I mean, Chris, like, what what do you think is the threshold if the Lakers are saying we're only moving these two unprotected picks? If it's going to make us a bona fide contender and then some, I mean, for is it like the Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Mike Conley, Bogdan? Like, how much better does it have to get for you to make it worthwhile? If if, if you're LA and you're Rob Palenka, man, like, wouldn't it have made so much more sense? Quite frankly, if we were talking about this for Kyrie. Now, granted, he only has the one year, and it's Kyrie, so you you never know what he's actually thinking or whether. You can commit anything real for him. Uh, but just when we're talking about the quality of the player and, and that alone, obviously, again, not trying to dig into the whole question of Kyrie Irving and the, the pros and the cons, but just his ability, um, someone that you know can play alongside LeBron James because uh, you've seen him do it. You've seen him win a championship that way. They're um, just kind of, I mean, yeah, like sure, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, it's easy for me to say, sure, go ahead and do it because it's not my picks. It's not my franchise's future. It would be helpful for them from the idea of rounding out their rotation for this year. Um, but who knows what that looks like a couple years from now. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it To me, the Kyrie thing kind of made the most sense at one point when they were deciding that they weren't going to move all the picks that they would have needed to do to, to get rid of Westbrook to bring Kyrie in for the one year. Um, but now that that ship has sailed at this point, seemingly um, you could do a couple different things, but honestly, it's funny as you bring all that up, the idea of RJ like picking up a young player that maybe in the next year or two will really be able to contribute. I mean, that's the gamble the Knicks are making, right? Is the idea that RJ is going to be able to contribute meaningfully to a team that is a contender, hopefully within the next year or two, if you're the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, so if you're the Lakers looking at that, you've got someone that can defend who, you know, has been asked to do a whole lot on offense um, and had to play alongside guys that were clogging up the floor in some cases for him. Uh, wouldn't you love RJ to play alongside somebody like LeBron 
when you like that's a young player that once LeBron is gone a few years from now that you could still be trying to build around who is making good money but not crazy crazy money um on some level that would almost make more sense to me both short and long term than the idea of healed and miles turner and not knowing how they're going to fit um with with different things or maybe they fit for a year but maybe long term that's not what you want i don't know i don't know barrett would make a lot of sense for them too but who knows whether they'll they would even give up two picks for anything at this point uh since they wouldn't do it for the Kyrie thing all right kobe what do you got Hello. How you doing? Hey, uh, I, I have a question. I, mean, I guess the previous caller kind of took stole my thunder. It's it's regarding the Lakers. <laughs> are yeah. are they are what are they waiting on? Are they just are they waiting on the Donovan Mitchell deal to get done to maybe get involved in that, or are they just trying to wait out Indiana to only give out one pick, or are they just really serious when you had Jeannie Bus yesterday? saying that she thought Pat Bev and Russ could coexist. Uh, Mark Stein had a tweet about the plans for them to coexist. Are, do they really, are they really actively trying to trade Russ, or are they just kind of hoping something falls out of the sky, like manna from heaven, like Rob called for KCP that one time? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Kobe. I mean, the, the Lakers situation is, is very tied to this. Um, and I think any, you know, Colin Sexton's uh, free agency, any domino that's still left on the board, the people involved are certainly hoping things can fall certain ways, depending on how that trade unfolds. Um, you know, are they, would they prefer, I mean, I definitely believe that the Lakers and Russell Westbrook would both prefer for him to be traded before training camp. I 100% believe that. But, I mean, there's been few people I've spoken with around the NBA who are bullish on their prospects of doing so. So, I mean, it does seem like people there are preparing for that plausibility to happen because I mean, Chris, like if you're a rival NBA team, you're not taking on Russ for less than those two unprotected picks. Right. Like, I mean, you got to get, at least get a second pick. I mean, even if it's not unprotected, and I, the Lakers aren't going to do it unless they're getting better. And they're just – I mean, if you just canvas the league, there really aren't many opportunities for that situation to, to unfold. And, I mean, we've talked about Lakers and Utah, whatever. Like, even if you're Indiana, for example, like, Chris, I, 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 do you think Buddy Heald and, uh, and Miles Turner uh, – for Russ and two firsts is even is even enough. Like you could say Miles Turner. I mean, they basically have been asking for two picks just for Miles Turner over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm I'm not in love with it if I'm the Pacers. I mean, the idea of having Russ off your books soon would be great. But like you said, they've wanted that much just for Turner before. The other thing that I think gets lost a little bit, like we talk so kind of loosely about like, oh, just take on Russ. It's not a big deal. Like they've got Halliburton that they're developing, who is a really, really good young player that I would prefer not to have to spend a year of him having to play alongside someone like Russ if I don't have to have that be the case. And so, I mean, the other thing here to consider as well is that um, you just watch the Lakers get off of their best. <laughs> it, it, I mean, best is a relative term, but maybe their best young player 
and Horton Tucker um, to get Beverly. And, and so that, that part was kind of weird as well. If you look at it from that standpoint, that like one of the few assets you had and one that was not particularly valuable relative to what it was a year or two ago, um, even if that was what you wanted to do, you just, you just unloaded that elsewhere. So it's, it's, it's a strange, like, I don't, I can't really make heads or tails of what the Lakers are doing either, but part of why I'm confused by it is just like how long it's dragged out because any of these things that they'd wanted to do them, they, you, theoretically, they could have done them earlier in the summer than waiting this long. Um, I don't want to keep Chris too long and I got some other stuff to do too, but my guy, Sean is fourth in the call. So we got John, Noah, Joey, Sean, we're going to try to get to everybody. Just let's try to make it as rapid as we can. Hit us with your questions. We're going to give a quick answer. We're going to move to the next. John, what's up? John, are you there? All right. Sorry, John. We're going to Noah. Noah, how can we help? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, um, what do you got? Well, I was just wondering. I know that this whole thing with Barrett getting the extension is complicating the uh, the talks with the Knicks. I don't know to what extent, but is there a real chance that some other team could jump into this sweepstakes and maybe have an actual shot at Mitchell? Thanks, Noah. I, I don't believe so. I mean, it really does seem like this is the Knicks race and there there aren't too many other real legit candidates here. I mean, Chris, their 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 packages or their their war chest of the interested teams is just far deeper than others, right? I mean, it's it's that. It's also too that Danny Ainge it, I think specifically because of what Danny Ainge wants. Like if Barrett was included in iterations of this potential deal and Danny Ainge said no thank you this isn't about the player aspect of it like he's not interested in getting anybody that's going to clog up the books in any way seemingly so I think this is strictly about picks you look at his history it's always been about picks and being able to flip them for a Ray Allen for a Kevin Garnett what have you so that I mean this is pretty clearly the Knicks race to run if, if they want Donovan Mitchell, how badly do they want them? And, 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 and quite frankly, how badly do they want Mitchell? And quite frankly, um, you know, Ainge being able to restart this franchise the way he wants to um, by being able to acquire the next star through picks. So I think this is the next race to run. There you go. Joey, what's up? I think uh, how you doing today? I also want to say thank you to Chris uh, who sent me his book uh, way back when and I really, really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. So real shout out go. to him, and that book is incredible. So one of my yeah. favorite things I've done all year, read that book. So holla to you guys. I have a real simple question. Uh, I know we've heard a lot about Donovan Mitchell for a very long time now, and it's yeah. probably not going to stop anytime soon. So I, I have a question about what happens if we don't get him. Let's just say this falls through the cracks. You know, Danny Ainge being Danny Ainge or whatnot. Wouldn't it be a little bit smart here if Leon were just to give um, a call to the Thunder about SGA just just to, you know, amuse us, put out some postings in there? Because <laughs> you got to have a backup plan. And he wants uh, he wants women Yama next year. I think the Knicks picks could go a long way uh, trying to get to that point. So I like SGA. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Just want to know what your thoughts on that. Uh, you two guys are very smart. So I just want to know. 
Thank you, man. Uh, no, I I think that's a smart play, honestly. Uh, if you want to talk about the leverage game, what have you. I will say I haven't contemplated too much of a future without Donald Mitchell being traded to the Knicks. Cause I, I really do think and I'm operating under the assumption that that's going to get done at some point between now and the trade deadline. Um, I am, I, mean, I think it's more likely to happen before the season starts. And I, I do think sides will revisit it. I think both sides do want to get it done. It's just going to be a matter of that staring contest coming to fruition. Chris, any, any quick thoughts? I'm right there with you, man. First of all, thank you for what you said about the book, and, and I'm glad you enjoyed it so much and that you appreciated it. But I'm right there with you because th- there's a part of me that like kind of bangs my head against the wall too, just thinking like Mitchell's a very, very good player. Do not get me wrong. He's an all-star for a reason. Again, he's also flawed. He's also small in a backcourt where you've got Jalen Brunson, who's also very small, relatively speaking. So I'm kind of like, what is it that you need him this badly when there are other young players that could probably be had for less or something comparable, but maybe be a more complete player than he is while also being young and also being a guard. So I've wondered that too. You're not alone. I don't know that they'll do that. It seems like they're already really far down this road, but I, I totally understand your question. I've thought the exact same thing. Absolutely. All right. Our last question. My guy, Sean, what's up, man? Hey guys, uh, first of all, I'd just like to say, Chris, I'm a big fan of your book. I just finished a few weeks ago. It was great, so I just wanted to say I'm a big fan. There you go, man. I appreciate you, Sean. What Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for everybody that's read it, that's thinking about reading it, that's bought it. Um, I really hope you guys have enjoyed as much as Sean did, and also that uh, hopefully the docuseries, once it's out, that you guys get a chance to watch yep. that and enjoy it too. Yeah, uh, so my question was, um, I'm guessing, do you still think that it's most likely that the Knicks would get down to Mitchell uh, via trade with the Jazz? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Sean. I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's as, we, as we've been saying, that, that's still where, where I land on the fence. Um, if that's the appropriate expression, my brain is now fried after talking for an hour. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be very unlikely that RJ Barrett is included in it unless it's a three team deal, like we ended up talking about. Um, but I, I, I do believe it's going to end up being a deal that does not include him. And as it, it, it seems more likely to be a direct two team situation between Utah and New York, don't know when it will happen. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of pressure to get back on, or it doesn't seem like there's a lot of urgency, let's say, from either side to get back on the phone here and get this thing done anytime soon. Um, I think, you know, I, I, Monday was clearly the deadline that New York drew to get this deal done with RJ being included or they were going to sign um, Bear to the extension. And now trading camp is definitely the next proverbial deadline uh, to make something happen here. Chris, any final thoughts and anything else you want to plug aside from your outstanding chronicle of the 1990s New York Knicks that has gotten plenty of love that I was hoping to give it today. Thanks so much, man. No, uh, I'll probably write something short tomorrow just on what, you know, like the questions that I would have, and I've, I've laid out some of them here, but the questions that I would have if assuming Barrett stays in a Knicks uniform after, you know, this extension and um, that the deal does happen with Mitchell, like what does that offense look like? Because I think, it makes life easier for all those guys. There's a little bit less pressure on them to score, but there's also just the one basketball. And, um, you know, what does that offense look like? What does the defense look like as a result of that? 
Um, so I'll probably have an analysis piece on that tomorrow in Sports Illustrated. There you go. Thank you again for joining me, man. This was awesome. Uh, thanks to everyone that tuned in. Very nice audience. Uh, sorry for the questions I couldn't get to, but I got to run. Um, so, yeah, keep it locked on Chris's work. We'll be back here on call sometime next week. And I'm trying to give you guys these shows when there is something to actually talk about like we did this week and waited to figure out Nick's news, Donovan, let's bring on Chris. So that's kind of the, the rhythm I'm trying to go with um, between now and, and when things really get going. Um, but follow the show. You'll get push notifications when we're going live. And that's pretty much about it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to Chris Herring again. And we will see you next time. Take care, everybody.